I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. Well, all right. So I am down the shore for those of you who are watching the podcast and obviously recognizing this is not the normal setup, but um, it's going to be a little shorter. It's going to be a little different. Um, I'm on vacation for the next two weeks, Um, but I have been watching the games and, um, you know, obviously the second half of the season has began or the post all-star break segment of the season because technically 55% of the season was in the first half pre all-star break, but the second half has begun and, um, the Yankees did take two of the three games at home against Boston. So that was nice. And, um, yeah, I've been watching, I've been watching on, 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 on the television because I'm not far from, I'm down the shore, Jersey shore, Jersey shore. So games are on, they've been good. And, uh, it's a, it's a good way to start the second half. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to be positive here. Um, I was also watching the UFC fight night, which was on Saturday night, obviously. Listen, man, to follow up a a really solid 265 card, no, 264, to follow up a 264 pay-per-view, this was not a bad fight night. You know, you have Islam Makajev coming back and fighting, and you had Misha Tate. Islam was actually the main event. Misha Tate's return was the co-main event, and they were two very good fights. The prelims were okay, too. But the the two main events were... I thought it was very solid to watch. Um, You know, Misha Tate came back, and she looked pretty good. She was obviously fighting somebody who's... Let's get this out of the way. It's the elephant in the room. She was 44 years old. uh, Renault. You know... 10 years older than Misha and she was obviously focused on retiring after the fight so it's not the most impressive win for Misha I'm not saying you should be impressed with it but you know let's remember Misha just came back from five years of off time too she she recently became a mother so I gotta give her some credit and I'm happy that she won she went in and did her business. It, it was early stoppage. So I, I feel like there's way too much going on that's way too many individuals right now are like saying, oh, I'm not impressed at all. I'm not impressed at all. That's not good. Who cares? Couldn't care less, to be honest. It's just some bullshit that sounds so salty and bitter. Like it's, you should be able to at least call it what it is. You don't have to be over-exaggerated in excitement, or you don't have to be completely bitter. Because, let's be honest, you guys sound bitter, the ones who are against... It's it's almost like you didn't want her to win. She's a great fighter for the sport, and I'm glad she came back. And it's 
it, it's exactly what it is. It's Misha Tate coming back in a tune-up fight and succeeding. She did what she was supposed to do, right? If she lost, okay, I would understand. But she won. She did what he, what she was supposed to do. She won. And now it's looking like if things shape up the way we're thinking they will with her kind of calling out and accepting the fact that Holly Holm wants to fight her. If she fights Holly, then we can start, you know, looking at it as something legit. If she can take down a Holly. But it was a solid return for Misha Tate. That's, that's as far as it should go in both ways. I was happy to see her back. She looked great. She looked in great shape. She, she, you know, obviously her striking was the big thing. That was kind of what held her back in her first go around with UFC. It looked a little improved. Uh, I thought the striking definitely looked better. Her ground game is always going to be her ground game. But it was good to see Misha Tate come back and win. And then this this guy, Islam Makhachev, he comes out and he takes on... Who's the kid he defeated? Oh. Tiago Moises. Hopefully I pronounced his name right. Um, he's a kid who's, you know... Listen, all the guys Islam are fighting, a lot of the guys are he's fighting right now obviously aren't the greatest top-notch lightweight guys, but like everybody's been saying, and he said too, they're avoiding this guy. Um, so Islam went out and he got the win. He got the job done. He's Listen, this is a guy who, obviously his coach is Habib. He's legit. I, I think he's legit. I think soon enough he's going to have a fight for a title. He's going to go for that belt soon enough. Um, maybe if he gets one more win out of the way, whether that be against someone like Chandler, who was actually an analyst for Fight Night on Saturday, whether that be against, say, Dariush, or somebody of that caliber who's right there above him, I think if he gets one more win against one of those top-notch guys, then you could talk about him fighting for a belt, right? Um, right now, obviously, it's going to be Dubronx, and it's looking like him and, him and Dustin. But, yeah, Islam... I think the next step for him is is don't rush and call people out like you did with Tony Ferguson just, just Saturday night post-fight. Tony's at the end of his road. He's another guy who you should be able to beat and probably will if Islam does end up fighting Tony. Tony's tough as nails, but Tony's lost his last three fights, um, and he's, he's really not been close. So I just feel like for Islam, and he did, he said, you guys are avoiding me, but... How about you start calling out some individuals who are atop that lightweight division yourself? If they're not coming to you, I, I would start calling out guys at the top. And then if they don't respond, then you know. But I feel like, you know, the ego with these guys, especially in this division, they'll call back, they'll reach back, and they'll want to fight. So if you're Islam Makhachev, there's no rush to, to call out to continue to fight these, to keep calling out these lower level fighters, I would call out those top ranked guys and see what you get in response. And not to say he's, I, I think this guy is as legit as it gets. Like I said, I think he's going to be fighting for a belt soon and he should deserve, he deserves it because he's legit. He's, dude, when I was watching him Saturday night, he's literally, I, I felt like I was watching a clone of Habib. Some would even say he's a little more aggressive than Habib. He's, and I don't know a ton 
about mixed martial arts, but it looks like to me he's perfected these fundamentals. He looks exact. He looks like he's mastered everything. Like he's a master at his class. He does everything so fluidly. And he, what he get? He won by submission, I believe, on Saturday night. So. Yeah, I think what what should be next for him is is not Tony Ferguson. I, I think he should be fighting a guy who's at the top of the lightweight division. But we'll see. It was a good fight night card. I'm excited to see of what's to come for Misha. I'm excited to see of what's to come for Islam Makhachev, and um, and I'm looking forward to the next fight night. I, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think the 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 fight night next weekend. Now, as I'm recording, it is Monday, July nineteenth. So the fight night, the upcoming Saturday this week, or the following, the weekend to come in six days, I think that's, is that Mackenzie Dern? Is that the one she's headlining, or is that a little later? No, you know what, this one might be the, the Corey Sanhagen-Dillashaw uh, fight. I think that's this one. And then you have, I think, one more fight night after that, which might be Mackenzie. And then after that, I think it's 265 with Amanda. So there are some good ones coming up, man. I'm excited for it. But let's head to break. When we get back from break, we'll dive right into it. Again, this is going to be a shorter episode than usual because I'm away right now. It's kind of a different setup. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, camp out in, in, inside when I'm away here. I, I want to go down to the uh, bay or the beach. <laughs> not really want to be inside talking about a 46 and 44 or whatever they are now fourth place Yankees team I have better things to do uh, but we'll be back we'll be back and when we get back from break we'll discuss some of this series and we'll wrap it up from there all right I'm your host RJ Carbone this is episode 266 of BD4 the Yanks take the first series back from break be right back you are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast. All you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Link tr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, so the Yankees won seven of their last 10 games, two of their last two. They're kind of starting the second half with this whole next man up 2.0 mentality. You know, with all these guys on the DL, with all these guys on the COVID list, Judge is on the list, and a bunch of other guys are on that list. I think six others or seven. I think it's seven. Who cares? A lot. 
And then you've got guys like Darren O'Day, who was just recently announced done for the season. Luke Voigt going back on the deal again. Jesus Christ. So all these guys going down. Even one of the guys they called up, Ambergy, he goes down. Uh, LaCastro, he tears his ACL. Looks like Ryan Lamar is going to go down with a play in right field the other night. He ends up being okay. But, yeah, you're kind of going this next man up 2.0. You got Lamar out there. We'll see what the news is on Ambergy. Um, Chris Kittens is back at first base. The guy I want to do well. Uh, for some reason, there's something... I want him to do well. He hits the ball hard. He's a big dude. I feel like there's some there's some potential there for him to be somewhat of a decent power hitting first baseman. But his swing can be loopy at times. I mean, you can see why he's been in the minors for so long at times. But there are the things that do attract you about Chris Kittens where you look at how big he is and look at how hard he can hit the ball. So maybe the analytics, you know, the analytics are big on the exit velo, so... I don't know. We'll see. Um, Greg Allen. Greg Allen comes up here and produces. Uh, I think Hojun Park was here. I don't know if he still is, but he played some outfield this weekend. Uh, Tyler Wade is back with the squad. So, Yankees fans are kind of going with that whole shtick again. We'll see where it goes. Maybe these guys are more hungrier than the starters. We'll see what happens. But you get to game one of the series. Um, well, the first game of the series was actually postponed. You know, the the that was the day where everybody got the, the virus or everybody was, they, they found out the results were all positive. So they had to cancel the game and postpone it. Um, so the next day we finally start. So it becomes a three game series from what was initially a four game set. But game one was on Friday night, and the Yankees' first game back from break look exactly like they did in the first half. Dead in the water, just lifeless, listless, whatever you want to call it, scoring zero runs, losing 4 nothing. It went exactly how the first half went. Zero runs, three hits, nothing exciting. Became 0-7 at the time against the Boston Red Sox. You had someone, who was it, Eddie Rodriguez, who's got a 5-something ERA on the mound, mowing you down. Jordan Montgomery, once again, struggling early. Three spot in the second inning. Then he kind of smoothens it out. You know, you had Renfro pushing in that run in the second with the ground ball. Then Arroyo tags Montgomery for that two-run shot later in the frame. So it's 3 nothing. Top of the second. But again, Montgomery always does this. He always uses those first couple of innings to kind of find what pitches are working. What's my primary? What's my secondary? And so he does it again. And he finds a rhythm. He finds the sinker. The curveball started working. And the changeup was his good third pitch. Um, he got nine swings and misses on that curveball. He's getting a lot of soft contact with the sinker like he usually does. And he ended up pitching another quality start, six innings, three runs. It's it is his uh, it was his eighth quality start of the year, and his second quality start in a row. Um, the stat they showed, <laughs> they might have said it on the telecast, but they showed it on Twitter. 
five starts in a row, five consecutive starts, where Jamison Tyone has had zero runs of support. Now, the Yankees have scored in some of those games, but while he was in the game pitching, zero runs of support. I mean, if that's not the definition of bad luck, I don't know what is. And you can see it. He's kind of taken this frustration into his press conferences where he just looks so depressed. But it's unfortunate because he's a decent pitcher. He goes out there in every single game. It's it's a similar result. It's a decent outing. It's not a great outing usually, and it's usually not a terrible outing. It's usually a decent, kept you in the game type of outing when Jordan Montgomery takes them out. And that's what this was. It's unfortunate that the Yankees couldn't score for him. You know, it ends up being 4 nothing when J.D. goes deep off Justin Wilson, who, by the way, Jesus Christ, that guy. I mean, you want to call... Listen, I'll, I'll give Cashman credit. He's made some decent moves with the pen. Like, the, this Lucas Litke kid has been pretty good for us. Good find there by him in the analytic department. But Justin Wilson, and you can add in Darren O'Day, who's also been a flop. For different reasons, with the injury. Injuries. But man, Wilson, oh gosh. Every time this guy comes in, he's non-competitive. He's given up runs. It's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how the fuck he does it. I don't know how he's still pitching for this baseball team. I guess it's kind of pick your poison. Way, who you calling up? You bringing back Nick Nelson, who's who you know has had his moments where he's served up batting practice. But this guy, Justin Wilson, it's definitely not the Justin Wilson we had the first time around, which who wasn't that good. But he was decent. This guy's awful. So after Montgomery, they go Herman, Wilson, Chapman. Uh, Chapman, it still looked shaky. He had a couple of deep fly ball outs, a walk mixed in between there. Um, but he, but he gets he gets out of it, and the Yankees uh, still end up still end up losing. Bats had three hits, so they weren't good either. Bats were absolutely dreadful. They had DJ early on getting getting a hit. And then I think picking up a hit later was Odor. And then you had Greg Allen with the pinch hit single. Or was it Lamar? Lamar with the pinch hit single. <laughs> so that was the first game of the set. Let's get to game two. Might as well not waste time. Game two. Um, this was the shortened game. It was the... 3-1 to one win, the, mon the monsoon-shortened victory. The game was delayed. They were playing in, in a monsoon, literally. I mean, I got a tornado warning on my phone during the game. <laughs> you had Nathan Ivaldi versus Garrett Cole. Um, top of the second. Top of the first, Cole lets up a double, but he gets out of it to start the game. Top of the second. He gives up a run, Arroyo, the RBI single. So it's one nothing Boston. Later on, you get DJ LeMayu, the RBI base hit, to tie the game. Bottom of the six comes, and that's where the Yankees end it, thankfully, before the game gets called minutes after that. You go Gary, opposite field bomb, and then that's followed up by uh, a Torres home run. Garrett Cole having a great outing for... for Another, 
I guess you could say his second consecutive quality uh, or a complete game. You know, he goes the full six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts versus two walks. So that's beautiful. Working with Gary Sanchez for a change. Usually he likes to, you know, work with his, his co-partner, Kyle Higashioka. That's been his guy since he's come here. I would say about 80% of his starts, maybe more, have been with Kyle Higashioki behind there. They've got a chemistry, but we've all been advocating it for a while, especially since Gary is somewhat fixed now and he's, you know, hitting the ball better than he's been in recent years. You may as well just, just you know, with Higgy not being a great hitter and, and Cole being an ace that he is, you know, how much of that is really the catcher. So it's good that they're finally starting to do this. Hopefully they continue to throw Cole and Gary together. Um, and that was that, really. The Yankees took the 3-1 to win. Again, just a couple of home runs to win the game in the bottom of the sixth. That was game two. That was really not much else to it. Um, was that the game where... Or was that Sunday? Where the, some, some idiot threw a ball at Verdugo? Verdugo chirping at him like he usually does chirp. And it was, it was kind of a big scene. Um, the, the guy was banned from all baseball stadiums for life after that. So I think that happened in game two. That was game two, I believe. Uh, my, my, my memory's all fucking shot. Uh, game three. Let's just get to it. The Yankees take the 9-1 to win. It was a laugher. Uh, Jameson Tyone going up against Perez. Bottom of the second, Glaber Torres going deep again. Two consecutive games with the home run. Giancarlo Stanton later gets an RBI. Fielder's choice beats out the double play. Greg Allen in the fifth inning gets a sack fly. Rutnet Odor, who's been hitting lately, talk about him in a second. He goes yard. Then Brandon Workman comes in. Bases are juiced. He walks two batters in a row. I think he walks Torres and then Gittens. That plates two more runs for New York. And Boston comes to the plate. They do get one run, but in the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth, Lamar tacks on with a home run. He also goes up. Well, the Yankees were going the other way a lot in this one. And they win the game 9-1. to one. They had nine runs on nine hits, seven walks, three home runs. Um, it's good for the offense to finally do something. Their first great outing of the second half three games but nine runs is nine runs um but i want you know jameson tyone goes 5.1 innings four hits one run four strikeouts now it's i, I think that's three starts in a row for jameson of quality pitching uh can't say quality start because he only went 5.1 but he is allowing a little bit of runs he went seven deep in seattle and I think it was one run on the line. He goes six innings at Houston the next start. That's two runs, I believe, that game. That was when his ERA officially dipped into the fours for the first time this season. And then he has this one. This one against a potent lineup in Boston. So two very good lineups of his last three. And he does the job. So and you can go back further. His last six starts, um, 2.86 ERA. So he's finding something. He, he's much better than he was to start the year. I can say that. He's no longer the guy who's pitching like a dreadful bust. Um, he's pitching quality for them. Uh, you know, I would say lately, if you want to talk about his last six, he's pitching in the B range. He's been a B pitcher. 
B-grade pitcher. Um, his pitch mix has been good. You know, he's he's kind of getting some more swings and misses. So I like what I'm seeing from Jamison Tyone. Uh, yeah, like I said, Rutan Odor is finally starting to hit again. Um, for a while, you know, I would say the last three weeks, um, the numbers here I have down the last 21 games, he is hitting 302 with a 981 OPS. That's in his last 21 games. So during that span, he's on a 39 homer pace. Um, he's hitting the ball very hard, a lot of line drives, and a lot of no doubt home runs. On the year, he's got the numbers up to 224 batting average, 224, and the OPS on the season, a you know, a credible 743 now. 10 home runs, 23 RBIs, and 55 games played on the year. So, this hot streak by him has helped the Yankee lineup. No other way to put it. Um, I think, you know, speaking of hot streak, I think DJ, I don't know if it ended, but at one point, I, I think he's on a... Yeah, because I think he did get on base, so I think it's up to 30 games for LeMayu. Um, 30 game on base streak. So, it doesn't feel like it, dude. It still feels like he's not there. You know? But, Torres, you're hoping he's getting it together. His last two series, so it's not six games, batting 300 with the 1,067 OPS. Two homers in his last two games. He's driving the ball, pulling it, mashing it, squaring up lately. I don't know. Do what you want. It's a six-game sample size. We have to see something happen. I'm not taking this and, and like, using it as some positive indicator. I'm just, at this point, I'm done with these hopeful asks, and I just, whatever happens, happens with me, with them. Um, but, yeah, the Yankees have won two out of three. And Greg Allen coming up and producing. He's, he's you know, my father was like, he looks like a young Curtis Granderson. I was kind of saying he reminds me of, or, or I was saying, hopefully he can come, come up and be a Cameron Mabin type. You know, a few years ago, Mabin came up. He was doing well. Excuse me. You know, this guy, Greg Allen, is, is three for six so far. He's, you know, he had a sack fly. He stole a base. Um, he's a switch hitter. So there you go. Um, veteran who's been around a little bit. Uh, I think he's came, I think he came from Cleveland. And uh, so we'll see what he does. I don't know. But that's it. The Yankees take two of three. If you want to take it as a huge positive and change your narrative entirely, go for it. But I'm still in the same place. I don't feel confident on this Yankees team. Hopefully I'm wrong, you know, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we host the Phillies for two games tomorrow and Wednesday. Then we head to Fenway to play the Red Sox again for three more. That's that. So let's head to break, and when we get back, we will get to the NYY, NYK question of the day and wrap this thing up. Be right back. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc. 
And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. All right, so uh, last time out in episode 265, I believe it was 265, yeah, it was 265, uh, the, the NYY NYK question of the day was, which Yankees set a team record in 2002 with 11 consecutive hits? The answer to that question, which Yankees set a team record in 02 with 11 straight hits, Bernie Williams did so. Yeah. So if you got that correct, congratulations. The NYY NYK question of the day for this episode 266 brought to you by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app. Since Garrett Cole, you know, came off those two complete games, may as well keep talking about complete games. In 67 starts in his career as a Yankee, how many complete games did Randy Johnson throw? All right, simple as that. So through 67 starts as a Yankee, how many complete games did Randy Johnson throw? So this is just his Yankee career. Tell me how many games were complete by him. All right, so let me know the answer, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Message the answer to me. Or you can just comment the answer on one of those platforms. Once I publish the promo to this podcast. Guys, thanks so much. That's all we've got. I'm going to end it here. I'm trying to enjoy my vacation. I don't want to be talking about a Yankees team who's in fourth place, like I said. So hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 266 of the podcast of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful rest of the day. And I'll see you, maybe I'll see you after the Philly series. I don't know. I'm going to try to do as many episodes as I can while I'm away here. Um, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, if I'm here for two weeks, that's what, four series? So hopefully I can get at least two or three in for you. I might miss one or two, but we'll see. All right, guys, that's all I've got. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, podcasting made easy.